Hello everyone. Today is Mother's Day. So I just want to give a shout out to all of our awesome moms out there. Uh, I know that you all have worked extremely hard uh, raising your kiddos. And um, you know, there's just something that is special about a mom who loves God and loves her kids. And so I just want to thank you so much for being faithful in your life, uh, faithful to your family. And uh, I just want to, you know, give a shout out to y'all because uh, you do more than you get credit for. <laughs> so just think about all the things that you do. I'm saying thank you for that right now. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but I do know that you guys all go above and beyond, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, Mother's Day is a time, obviously, where I think of uh, my wife, Amanda. I think she is a fabulous mom. Uh, she loves her kiddos with all of her heart, um, is very patient with them, and uh, she works very hard for our family. So thank you, Amanda, for being a great mom. I also think about my own mom uh, during the season. Um, I think a lot about um, growing up and what it was like uh, living with a mom who was sick all the time, uh, a mom who never complained about being sick all the time. Um, so anyways, I'm thankful for the mom that uh, God blessed me with uh, when I was a kid, and um, I'm just uh, so thankful that I have all the memories of her. So we're going to jump right in here. Today, we're not going to be talking, I have a sermon about mothers or Mother's Day or anything like that. We're just going to continue our Acts series. Uh, we're jumping in here to Acts chapter 14 today. So let's go. 14.1 says, the same thing happened in Iconium. And so, uh, you know, we have to jump back to Acts 13 to find out what happened um, because of the same thing happened here in Acts 14 in Iconium. And uh, the author, who is Luke, is going to give us a little bit of background here. He says, Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas, but the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Laconia, to the town of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listened and listening as Paul preached. As Paul preached, Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, 
These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town, so the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends! Why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own way, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance... He sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and a joyful heart. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church, With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached the word in Persia, then went down to Italia. Finally, they returned to ship by ship to Antioch of Syria, where where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. All right, well, uh, many of you know that I was a wrestler in high school, and one of the things that I did not enjoy about wrestling was practice. (laughs) Was practice. Uh, we had this uh, wrestling room uh, that was above the locker rooms, and it, they turned the heat on up there. It must have been 80, 85, 90 degrees every single day. I mean, this was uh, high school wrestling, so we practiced every single day after school unless we had a, a, a match that night. So pretty much all of November, December, January, and a little bit of February, we met every day, a weekday, in that wrestling room. It was hot. It was stinky. uh, It was sticky. (laughs) It was disgusting. Um, However, uh, for practice, uh, we had the same routine going in. We would go up. Uh, we'd lay around until the coach came up, <laughs> and when the coach got there, we uh, had to start running laps around the wrestling room, and so we did that for five to ten minutes. After that, we did some stretching, 
uh, we got stretched out, and then uh, we started with techniques. Uh, we started doing shots, and no, it's not like the alcoholic beverage shots. It is actually uh, taking a shot, trying to grab somebody's leg and uh, pull it up. Uh, if y'all were here, I would definitely demonstrate for you. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so we would do shots for uh, 20 minutes or so, uh, practicing on them, on our partner, and our partner would practice on us. We'd do single legs, and we'd do double legs, and then we'd do the fireman's series, which is uh, a carry, and then it's a, an arm bar, and, and uh, kind of uh, different things like that. So after we did those... Well, that's a lot so far. Uh, then we would, uh, very rarely would we ever practice uh, throws like, uh, you know, uh, head and arm is one throw that we would practice. But anyways, uh, so we would do that and then we'd break up into groups of four or five and we would just wrestle each other for a little bit. After that was over, uh, you know, practices about an hour through by now. You would think we would be done. No, we would be practicing some new technique or some new thing uh, for the next 30, 40 minutes. And so finally, when you think practice is about wrapped up, uh, you're an hour and 40 minutes in, you think, oh man, I'm almost done. Nope, you're not done yet because you've got to run some more. And so we'd run laps again. And uh, so we would run for another 10, 15 minutes. And you would think, man, now we're done. No, we're not done because at the end of every practice, we had to pyramid down um, from 10, which means you had to do 10 push-ups while your partner was doing 10 sit-ups. And then they had to do 10 push-ups while you were doing 10 sit-ups. And you would pyramid down. You'd do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And that is a lot of push-ups and sit-ups. I couldn't do it today. Um, nor do I ever want to do that again. Uh, that was a lot of stuff. And so then you would think practice was over, but no, it was pep talk time. And so while you were just laying on the mat, just completely wore out, the coach would then say, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to be smart. He would say that every single day after practice. You need to be smart. You need to eat good. You need to drink your water. You need to not do stupid things. <laughs> and I will see you tomorrow. All right. And um, so anyway, that was practice. And we uh, did the same repetition every single day. Why is repetition important? Because if you do things right over and over and over and over again, it is ingrained into your system. It's ingrained into your system. So we practice hard so that we would remember those training techniques on the days of the matches. Now, uh, for some of you, you might remember that uh, earlier this year we did um, a series on habits. And one of the things we talked about um, to help us remember to do things over and over again is this thing called habit stacking. And so for instance, uh, one of the things that Amanda has been trying to get me to do for years is to do uh, put up the dishes in the dishwasher every single morning. And uh, so I've committed this year, uh, at least for the last three or four months, uh, to put the dishes up every single morning. What the problem is, is that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a problem for me uh, because I get reminded. Um, so, anyways, uh, we have this new trick. Is a, it's a habit stack. So, um, after I drink my morning coffee, the first thing I'm supposed to do 
is put up the dishes. And so far, it has worked. It has helped me to remember to put up the dishes. All right, so uh, the, the habit stacking of doing things combined. So for me, it's drink my coffee, get my coffee drunk, and then I uh, put up the dishes. Um, so that's one thing that you can do uh, to try to remember um, something new. Uh, here in Acts 14... Uh, we see something that is very repetitious, and I mentioned this last week, but as Paul and Barnabas go into each new town, the first thing they do is they find the local synagogue. And it says, uh, going back here to Acts 14.1, it says that the same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Now, that's great news for uh, Jesus. That's great news for Paul and, Paul and Barnabas. But it's not so great news for the Jewish synagogue. <laughs> uh, I mean, because we're talking about um, adding theology to their already deep belief system. And so that's something that some of them can wrap their minds around. And some of them can't really believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and so what do you do with the ones who do believe? They have to almost split off and form a new church. Now, what do you think this does with the old Jewish church? <laughs> it probably ruffles some feathers. I mean, they've got to be uh, paying bills somehow. And so half of your congregation has now decided to gather somewhere else because they believe something else. So you can begin to see um, why this uh, has such um, animosity uh, towards the end of this chapter specifically uh, because, uh, you know, we wouldn't think that we would ever get angry enough um, to stone somebody for not believing the same things that we do. Um, I, I would hope that we wouldn't. <laughs> I would hope that we would. Um, but here, the, the Jewish believers, uh, for some reason, some of them get very bitter. They get very angry. The Bible even says they get very jealous. And uh, so we're going to see what some of those uh, effects are here. All right. Um, but when we're going to jump in here, we're going to talk about uh, miracles a little bit. Uh, because we read here that um, Paul and Barnabas met this guy um, who had crippled feet. And we don't get very many details about him other than he was uh, crippled from his birth. It says he had never, he had never walked, never walked. And um, so Paul and Barnabas heal this guy. And you see, a lot of times in the Bible... Uh, God reveals himself through miraculous works. I mean, just look at like Moses. Uh, God gave Moses some incredible power to do a lot of miraculous works. And that's how God proved that he was with Moses. But you can see sometimes how um, people, uh, obviously in Moses' day, uh, the Pharaoh uh, sorcerer guys were able to match some of those miracles, um, but they weren't really able to match all of them. And so that's why Pharaoh finally let um, Moses go and the, and, and the Israelites. 
But here we are um, in Acts 14. Uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, perform a miracle in the name of Jesus um, to this guy who had faith. They just said, hey, stand up. This guy had never walked before, and he stands up. <laughs> That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, in fact, the people thought it, the the people, the villagers thought it was so incredible that they thought Paul and Barnabas were gods, not just mere human beings. And so that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem because uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, who are preaching to these folks, who uh, th these folks are not Jewish people. They don't have the Ten Commandments. They don't understand that there's just one God. They don't understand not to have idols. Um, and so they begin to get this party together. They're going to have um, some sacrifices that they're going to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas um, and when they finally, Paul and Barnabas finally figure out what's going on, they're like, oh, hold up. Uh, this isn't good because we're just human. Uh, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And you can have that same power also, um, but there's only one God. And so when we get to this, this part of um, Paul and Barnabas trying to explain this one God. It really is amazing to me. I love this portion of Acts. I mean, I love it because it, it talks about who God is. All right, and so um, this is uh, starting at verse 16. It says, in the past, he permitted all nations to go their own ways. It says, but God never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. God proves who he is through his goodness and through the evidence of everything around us. And Paul and Barnabas just says, for instance, for instance, he sends you rain. <laughs> now, uh, for us, I mean, when rain comes, uh, we just think, oh, I can't mow my yard today. Um, or we think, I hope the rain doesn't last too long. I won't be able to go out for a walk or I won't be able to go out and play if we're kids, you know. Um, but for these people, rain meant everything. I mean, we're talking about a, a place that is dry, first of all, and they're trying to grow crops. And the only way that crops can grow is if it rains because you can't just turn on the water spigot. It's not like us where we can water our grass whenever we want. I mean, the only time these crops get, rain, get water is if it rains. And so Paul's explaining God this way. He says, look, um, in the past he permitted all nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain. He just says, hey, look, every time it rains, just remember that's God who's sending that rain. And then he says, and, and good crops, like the rain produces the good crops. And so when the good crops come, you, you have to say that God gave you those crops because he sent you the rain. And then he says, when you turn those crops into food, when you turn those crops into food, you have to remember that those crops grew because it rained. <laughs> And because God made the cycle of how plants grow. And then he says one more thing. He says, and then 
when you have a full belly. <laughs> when you are eating that food and you smile because you are full. Remember that God sent you the rain that grew the crops that was turned into food. And that's who God is. God is your provider. No matter who you are in life, God is the provider. And so here uh, we think, man, this is incredible. We are here in Acts chapter 14, just two chapters, a chapter and a half into Paul and Barnabas' missionary journey. And here they're given this speech about um, the, the rain and the crops. And it says, but at verse 18 says, but even with these words, like Paul and Barnabas are trying to prove who God is. They're not, they're not God, but they're trying to prove who God, who God is. Um, but even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. And then, and then, <laughs> there's always an and then here in the book of Acts. Because it says, and then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd, crowds to their side. Tough crowd. <laughs> I mean, you heal a guy who has been uh, crippled from birth. Okay, first of all, you do that. Uh, he jumps up. He starts walking around. You think that they're gods, so you're going to sacrifice to them. They say, no, don't sacrifice to us. Some other folks come in from a different town, and the crowd turns on Paul and Barnabas. All right? And um, so it says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. Then they stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. From being a god, from thinking that he's a god, to trying to destroy him, from trying to worship him, to trying to destroy him. <laughs> this is this is crazy. I mean, this is this is something that we can hardly wrap our minds around in today's society. That people would just drag people out in the street and kill them. I mean, it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy whenever that happens in the world today when people are, are murdered. But this was something that happened all of the time in biblical times. And so uh, Paul is dragged out. We don't know really what happened to Barnabas, but Paul is dragged out and he is stoned and they think they left because they thought he was dead. <laughs> they thought that he, they had stoned him, that he was dead. Um, so um, 2 Corinthians 11 this is 2 Corinthians 11. Um, Paul is kind of giving, uh, he, wrote, he, he wrote this uh, book to the church in Corinth. Anyway, he's kind of giving this uh, speech of um, kind of a resume, really, of, of the things that, that had happened to him. And uh, one of the things he says in 2 Corinthians 11 was, uh, once I was stoned. And when we look here in this particular portion in Acts chapter 14, in the city of Lystra, that's where it happened. That's where it happened, was in Lystra. Paul was stoned in this city. 
and left for dead. And left for dead. So, what now? What now? Um, but as the believers gathered around him, Paul got up. It's amazing. He got up. And you and me, we would be thinking, well, it's time to head on to the next town. But it says that Paul got up and he went back into the town. <laughs> oh, man, maybe he was just because he didn't have anywhere else to stay. I don't know. I would not have went back into town. I would have set my tent up outside the town. I would have not have went back in. <laughs> but Paul did. And so then it says um, the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. And so we don't really hear much about what happens in Derby. We can just assume that what happens in Derby is the exact same thing. Uh, Paul and Barnabas find the synagogue. They start preaching. Everything goes bad. <laughs> they have some people who believe, some people who don't believe. And uh, then it's time to leave Derby. Now, what would you do? Well, here I got a, I got a map to show you uh, since handy dandy PowerPoint is not really available right now. But look at my map. Okay. Let me go this way. This is going to be terrible. But because um, it's backwards for me. I can't just uh, go. Okay, anyways. So you got this missionary journey here. Uh, it starts in Antioch and goes uh, to Cyprus, this whole uh, island here. Man, I'm really bad at this. I'm going to have to do it like this. Okay, so this whole island right here. All right, and then they go up here and they uh, start this uh, journey here. They go from um, Italia and Perga to Pamphylia to Antioch. Pisidia, uh, Pisidia Antioch, and then they go to Iconium, then they go to Lystra, and then they go to Derby. okay? And so here's where we are right now here at the end of Acts 14. It's not over yet, um, but anyway, they're right here. And if you'll notice something right here, there's a town right here below Derby. That town is named is Tarsus. Now, do you know where Paul's from? He's from Tarsus. Uh, if you just think about this one town over, he almost died here. <laughs> he almost died here. So they go to Derby. And don't you think it's time to go home for a little bit? Like, home is right here. Maybe it's time for a rest. Maybe it's time to just take a load off. Maybe it's time to uh, heal up but not for Paul. You see, what happens is that uh, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, <laughs> the town that stoned him, all right? Paul and Barnabas go back to Lystra, and then they go back to Iconium, and then they go back to the Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers, like they're going back and they're going back through all those towns that they've already journeyed through. All right. And uh, so they ended up going back, going back through. So um, for us, for us, uh, Paul's first missionary journey is just two chapters in our Bible. Uh, and, you know, we can probably read it through um, if we read it slowly in about 20 minutes. Uh, 20 minutes time, two chapters, you know, it might take 25 minutes. 
But for Paul and Barnabas, this wasn't 20 minutes. This was two years. They spent two years of their life going from town to town with unknowingly uh, not seeing, being able to know what's going to happen. Like they knew they'd go in and they'd find a synagogue and they'd start preaching the word of God there, but really they didn't know what was going to happen after that. Um, but what they found out was it was pretty repetitious. They preached the word of God. Some believed, some didn't. Those who didn't believe um, stirred up some trouble and either ran them out of town or threatened to stone them or actually did stone them and then they left. And so they found that type of group every single place they went. But they decided to go back and find the believers and strengthen them on the backside of their journey. Two years. Now, what have you been doing for the last two years? I know some of us have been um, caretakers for the last two years. Some of us have been taking care of people that we love. Um, some of us have been working extremely hard over the last two years, taking care of the people that we love. Um, some of us, over the last two years, have been trying to take care of ourselves. Like maybe we've been sick or ill or whatever it is. We're just trying to take care of ourselves, trying to keep ourselves alive, uh, being caretakers. Um, so anyways, uh, two years here, um, Antioch, Iconia, Lystra, Derby. Um, this is known as the region of Galatia, Galatia in the Bible. And um, in, in the Bible, past the book of Acts, there's a book called Galatians. Galatians. And in that book, which is a letter um, written from Paul to the church of Galatia, and that, that includes all of these churches. And some of the things that he wrote to these churches are incredible. Um, so one of the things he wrote to this church in Galatia, he wrote this. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Like Paul says, hey, I, I have been crucified with Christ. You know, uh, Christ was crucified on a cross. Paul says, I have given myself, I have sacrificed my wants, my desires, so that Christ can live through me. And he meant it because obviously he was ready to die for the faith, um, especially, uh, you know, there in Lystra where they uh, tried to stone him. So Paul says to the church in Galatia, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And then he says, um, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. All right, so the fruit of the spirit is actually taken from a letter that Paul wrote to these churches here in Galatia. Another thing he wrote in that uh, letter was this incredible statement. He, he says to the churches, he says, let's not grow weary in doing good because at the proper season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's good stuff. Do not grow weary in doing good because at the proper time, in the proper season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then finally, um, another thing that he wrote, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people. 
but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's do good to all people, but let's especially be good to those who call themselves Christ followers. So I'm going to pray and uh, wrap this up. Uh, we're going to end kind of with something fun. Um, after my prayer, there's going to be kind of a, a trivia uh, for Acts chapter 14. So uh, have a little competition there in your living room uh, if you're watching this together as you're, with your family uh, to see who can get all the answers right first. So uh, let's pray and then uh, I'll throw that trivia up there for you. Dear God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for um, all of the moms out there who are incredible. They're incredible hard workers. They sacrifice so much for us. And God, I, I just want us to think about um, just our purpose in life. I mean, Paul and Barnabas uh, gave up two years to go on this incredible journey, a journey that was not easy, that was not fun, a journey that was um, very difficult, but they did it for you. Now, God, one of the things I just think about sometimes is, oh, what are we doing for you? And so let's, God, let's just continue to, um, for you, your Holy Spirit, to challenge us with what you want our lives to look like. Thank you, God, for being incredible. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.